tonight. This is our midweek refresh. It's the time to get refreshed in God's presence. We've been on a series called Idol Smashers. We've been talking about bringing down idolatry in our lives. And if you're like me, um, it's been getting you out of the way. Okay, I'm the only one. And one, one lady right here. Uh, we've been getting in this, um, Pastor Corey called it like, this is like the MRI machine of heaven. And each week we've been scanning for a different idol in our lives. And tonight the purpose of our scan is going to be to look for the idol of control. Ooh, <laughs> is right. Take a deep breath. Because if I had to guess, 75% of us in this room are either recovering control freaks or we're currently control freaks and we're trying to hide in plain sight. <laughs> yes. Why don't you stand to your feet with me tonight? And before we get started reading the scripture, if you brought a friend with you tonight, just uh, let that friend give you a, a, a shoulder massage. Just, just, just turn and... Let them, let them give you a shoulder massage. Just 10, 15 seconds. If you didn't come with somebody, just roll your neck and shake your arms. <laughs> We're going to need it today because, <laughs> yeah, okay, switch. <laughs> give, now, now, you, now you give your friend. <clears throat> yeah, we need to get all of our wiggles out. <laughs> Because tonight we're going to be in this MRI machine for the rest of this service. Okay, somebody's happy about that. <laughs> While you're standing, go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn or click to 1 Samuel chapter 4. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel. <laughs> Ask me how I know that. When I was a kid, there was this rapper, remember? He rapped all the songs of like the Bible. I guess I'm too old. Okay. Um, here we go. First uh, Samuel chapter four. We're going to read verses one through ten. Now the Israelites went out to fight against the Philistines. The Israelites camped at Ebenezer and the Philistines at Aphek. The Philistines deployed their forces to meet Israel, and as the battle spread, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 of them on the battlefield. When the soldiers returned to camp, the elders of Israel asked, why did the Lord bring defeat on us today before the Philistines? Why did the Lord bring defeat on us today by the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Shiloh so that it may go before us and save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent men to Shiloh and they brought back the ark of the covenant of the Lord who is enthroned between the cherubim and Eli's two sons, wicked as they are, Hophni and Phinehas were with the ark of God. And when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came into the camp, all of Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, what is all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? When they learned that the Ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid 
And they should have been. A God has come into the camp, they said. We're in trouble now. Nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? They are the same gods who struck the Egyptians in all kinds of plagues on in, uh, with all kinds of plagues in the desert. Be strong, Philistines. Be men, or you will be subject to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So the Philistines fought and the Israelites were defeated and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The ark of God was captured and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were dead. Let's pray. Lord, as we climb into your MRI machine tonight, would you scan? Scan our hearts for this fraudulent idol of control. It may have taken up residence in some of our lives without even us knowing it. Would you allow this time to be a moment for us to be still enough for you to show us what we're afraid of so that we can have your outcome and not our own. Reveal to heal tonight that we might be free from this ugly idol of control. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a deep breath. Slap somebody five on your way back to your seat. When I was 17, I did what people told me. I did what my father said and let my mother mold me. Oh, look how they give me reverb. But that was a long time ago. I'm in control. What? I get what I want. You sing it. Uh-huh, because uh-huh. I like to have a lot. Uh, control. <laughs> I'm all grown up. Hey, control. Hey, oh, harmonies. Yes, I love it. I'm never going to stop. You see, because I'll call my own shots. Thank you. I'll call my own shots. I got my own mind. I will make my own decisions. And when it has to do with my life, my life, I want to be the one in control. I don't want to rule the world. I just want to run my life. So make your life a little easier. When you get the chance, just take control. Control is a fraud. Yet the writers of these songs have discipled us into believing that we can be the captain of our own ship, that we can follow our hearts, that we should just do it. And I should know. My name is Tiffany. And I'm a recovering control freak. When I was 17, my parents divorced after 18 years of marriage. My mom left with her new boyfriend, who she was pregnant by. My dad moved in with his stripper girlfriend. It was this month, 30 years ago, when I had just graduated high school and was left to figure out life by myself. Still a child with the weight of the world on my shoulders, but I was going to take control. I was never going to let anybody hurt me again. 
until they did. I was never going to let anybody betray me again until they did. I would never be a single mom until I was. I definitely was going to get married before the age of 38 until I didn't. I definitely was going to marry a man who would be my Disney knight in shining armor until he wasn't. I never was going to be a pastor until I was. And I certainly was never going to preach to you on a Wednesday night until Pastor AJ made me. (laughs) And the list goes on and on and on. And when you think about your life, Where are your nevers? Where are your definitelys? What are the areas of your life that the idol of control may be ruling over? I want you to take 15 seconds and pull out your phone or if you have your notebook. I want you to take a minute just with you and God. And if there's something that you think maybe this could be an area where the idol of control is ruling in my life, I want you to just write that down. Just type it in your phone or write it down. If you're bold, you could whisper it to the friend next to you. In first, it's in First Samuel chapter four. We see everyone is con- trying to control everything and everybody, and it's utter chaos. The Israelites want their way; they want to conquer the Philistines. They don't understand why would God allow us to be defeated? We are the Israelites. And why would God ever allow things to not go our way? Isn't he supposed to be good? And the Philistines want their way. They want to conquer Israel again. They've got the weapons and the manpower to do so. They'll fight like men. They'll take control of the Ark of the Covenant and manage the presence of God themselves. Maybe if I just manage to be a little stronger, a little faster, a little richer, a little thinner, you name it. Maybe then I'll be in control. And we aren't very different than those people in 1 Samuel chapter 4. We want things to happen our way. (laughs) We don't want to take the time to get in heaven's MRI machine and let God show us his way. We don't like it. We resist it. And daggone it, Pastor Corey, I hate it. I don't want to get into the MRI machine because I cannot control what happens when I get in there. There's four reasons why I don't like it and why I resist it. And the first one is because it takes a lot of time. Have you ever been to get an MRI? You have to get into this tiny little machine and they tell you a time frame. They give you a time frame. And if you're like me, when you get into that machine, you're like, okay, it took less time than what they said it would. What did they find? If it takes longer time than than what they said it would, I'm going through my head like, why are they taking so long? I can't lay here still. I can't. It's so uncomfortable to be sitting in a place on somebody else's time. In church, we're not on our own time. In case you didn't know, we're on God's time. Instead of praying or worshiping or listening to the Lord, the Israelites just conjured up this shortcut plan to use the presence of God as a trinket, bringing him into their mess and expecting him to bless it. Surely this will speed up the process. 
And they're just like us. God, I'll wear my cross. I'll wear it proudly around my neck. I'll wear it, but I won't carry it. Carrying the cross is too difficult. It's too tiring. It requires character and submission. So what if I don't get married till I'm 38 or 40? What if I don't have kids until I'm 42 or not at all? Is God still my God? Do I still trust his timing for my life? Do I trust his will? Or will I make God contend with the idol of control and resist his plan for me? God, you seem to need my assistance. I know, Lord, your word says not to sleep with them before I marry them, but that's the only way I can compete out in these streets. And I need a companion to make me feel better about myself, so I'm going to do it anyway. I'll wear my cross, but I won't carry it. Before I got saved, I invited my boyfriend to come over and stay the night with me, which was a regular thing was no big deal. It was like no other, it was like any other night that he normally came over and as we fell off to sleep, I heard an audible voice say, so what now? And I thought it was him and so I rolled over but he was snoring sound asleep. And I'm like, oh snap, (laughs) what's going on here? And God was speaking to me, he says, so what now? You've got everything under control. You barely can pay your bills. You got your man. You got your little beat up hoop D. Everything's good, right? That's a scary thing to hear from God because he will let us be in control of our own mess. He will let us control our life. He will let us breathe his air. He will let you continue in sin. And we are audacious enough to mistake his letting for his blessing. But it's only a matter of time before the idol of control will self-destruct. And ladies, this is a side note. If he can't control his bodily desires and lead himself away from immorality with you, he definitely won't be able to lead you your kids, your finances, or anything else very well, and that's period. And all the men are like, dang, why are you coming for us so hard? (laughs) Keep coming. Ladies, boy, I don't even know if I should. It's Wednesday night, though. I can say what I want to say. Ladies, y'all come in here sometimes with everything showing. And then you say, well, that's his problem. What are you leading the people around you to? Are you leading them to you? Are you leading them to gaze on your beauty? Or is the beauty of the Lord the thing that emanates off of you? I'm just saying, if you want a man of God... If you want a man like in the world, then that's cool. Keep doing that. But if you want a man who's going to love Jesus and a man of God, he's not going to be attracted to that. So just put on some clothes. Anyway, that's not for y'all in this room. That's for you online. Someone online. <laughs> oh, son. Oh, daughter. How dimly we see the plan of God for our life is greater than anything we could conjure up. But we can go ahead and have our way 
Even Burger King sounds satisfying when you're hungry. <laughs> Proverbs 16:9 says, we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And the question I want to ask you tonight, I want you to ask yourself this question, that thing that you wrote down. I want you to go back to that area of your life and ask yourself, am I surrendered to God's timing? In this area of my life, have I surrendered fully to the timing of the Lord and all of the implications and anything it might mean for me? Am I surrendered to his timing? This next reason why I resist the MRI machine is because I have to lay there still. <laughs> they require me to be still. And I don't know about you, but when I can't figure things out, I don't want to sit still. Being still is uncomfortable and it's inconvenient because I know how to fix this. I know how to move. I know how to micromanage and manhandle and manipulate and dictate and dominate because I'm the boss of myself and sometimes I want to be the boss of you too. Neither of these armies could be still. They were too focused on winning so when my money is funny and the spreadsheet says I need to cut something out in order to make ends meet, do I take the time to listen and be still for the Lord's voice? Nah. I just won't tithe because I can't afford to this check. <clears throat> Control is a fraud telling us the lie that we can't afford to tithe when in actuality we can't afford not to unless, of course, you like devour ravaging your bank account. Go ahead and see how that works out for you. I've done it before. I'm telling you it doesn't work out well. The God of heaven says, test me in this and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing that you can't contain. But we can't be still long enough to hear those words. So we forfeit the promise that God himself will rebuke that devour off our money. And then we wonder why we keep having financial issues. Psalm 46.10 admonishes us to be still and know that I am God. The next question I want you to ask yourself tonight as you're in this MRI machine is, am I able to be still and know that he is God? In this area that I've written down, am I able to be still? Do I know that he's God? And the next reason why I do not like the MRI machine is because I'm afraid of what they might find. I almost would rather not know what's there because if I do, then that means something will have to change. I don't want God to see the ugly parts of me as if he can't see them already. The truth is some things are so ugly that I don't want to acknowledge that they even exist. I think both of these armies were afraid of each other in different ways, but they would never admit it to each other. And just like them, I want to pretend like I've got it all together because my image and the way that people perceive me matters a whole lot. That's why I'll tell my kids before we go into the grocery store, you bet not act up in here. 
I want them to serve my image really well because well-behaved kids means I'm a great parent, right? So I become this helicopter mom trying to control my kids' behavior and manage the image I present to the world outside of my home. There's this fruit of the spirit, it's called self-control. And that's really the only form of control that is not a fraud because it's a gift given by the spirit of God. See, control is actually in direct conflict with self-control. It takes self-control to get into the passenger seat and let God drive. Self-control requires dying to my flesh and leaning into God and acknowledging his sovereignty and holding my tongue and turning the other cheek. It requires yielding to the Holy Spirit who controls all things anyway. It means redirecting my thoughts to Jesus, redirecting my heart to trust him, redirecting my lips to give him praise and my heart and my attitude to worship him. How... Are my kids, my five-year-old, my six-year-old, my 10-year-old, how, I don't have a 10-year-old or a five-year-old, I'm just putting it out there. How are they supposed to have self-control when all they ever see is a control freak mama who says, my way or the highway? I brought you and I will. But did you though? Because the last time I checked, God is the one who gives life and takes it away. He's the one who sustains and upholds. He's the author and the finisher, the beginning and the end. Psalm 139, 23, 24, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me to the way that's everlasting. And before you feel clubbed over the head by this message, I want to tell you that this is lived experience that I'm talking about. It's not just stuff that I thought up from the Bible. It's stuff that I've actually lived, mistakes that I've made. I remember when I was a young mom, and I had my five-year-old, Kaylin, who gave me literal hell, and that's not a curse word. (laughs) He literally uh, was, uh, sometimes I just didn't even know what I was gonna do. And I remember one time we were in the grocery store. It just grieves my heart to think about because he was losing his mind. I don't know what he was crying about. He was just throwing a fit. You've seen people in the grocery store. You've seen their kids acting a fool. And every one of us have judged them. What is wrong with that parent? How come they can't control their child? And I did what every good parent did. I snatched him up and said, boy, you better stop right now. I probably spanked him in the middle of the store. Then he starts crying even more and we, we roll out of the store. I'm dragging him behind while he's screaming. 20 years will teach you something. Last year we were in the grocery store, me and my five-year-old Taya. And I said, hey Taya, um, I wanna go through the self-checkout line today. She said, no, I wanna go to where the checkers are. 
checking people's food. I want to go through that line. I said, no, those lines are long. Today we're going to go through the self-checkout because we don't have a lot of items. And she said no, and she started losing her mind. Like, she literally, like, lost her mind. She was crying real tears. No, I don't want to go. I don't want to. And I got down on one knee and looked her in the eye and said, honey, why are you crying? As I held her. Now, people in the grocery store were looking at me. But in this moment, I didn't care. Because when she's 16, nobody's going to be there to help me. I said, honey, why are you crying? Let me hold you. When you're ready to talk, let me know. She said, because mommy... I wanted to go in the aisle where the candy was. <laughs> what? You're crying real tears in the middle of the grocery store for candy? I said, oh, I understand that. But I wanted you to be my checker today. I wanted you to be the one to, to, to check. And she was like, okay, come on, let's go. <laughs> See, the behavior was the same. But the motivation of my heart was different. And that's not in my notes, but I just feel like it's for somebody tonight. Like, God is looking at our motivations. For why do we want to control? Do I want to figure out what's going on inside my child and lead them to Jesus? Or do I just want to control their behavior so the world around me thinks I'm a good parent? The question I want to ask you, am I willing to allow God search me and find? Am I willing to allow him in this area that I've written, written down? Am I willing to allow him to search me and find if there's anything that's not like him? An extra credit. When he puts his finger on that thing, am I willing to give it up? And the last reason why I don't like the MRI machine is because I cannot control or I may not like the outcome. I so badly want the outcome to be what I want it to be because my outcome serves me really well. See, my self-worth and security are tied to my desired outcome. My faith is in the outcome these opposing armies had a nation's identity hanging in the balance. Their very identity and national security was tied to the outcome. But if our faith is in the outcome, it's misplaced. Because godly faith is put into the person of Jesus, the one who controls all things for all time. I remember... A few years ago, I was going to see my brothers in Portland, Oregon. And uh, it's a five-hour flight. I already don't like to fly. All my recovering control freaks know what I'm talking about. My life is at the mercy of another person. And that's uncomfortable. And they come, the captain comes in the cockpit and he's from the cockpit, hey, captain from the cockpit, and we have to reroute, we got to go to Seattle because there's weather in Portland. 
And immediately, my mind is filled with maybe the captain, he, what if he wants to commit suicide and he's about to take this plane down? <laughs> Y'all laugh because you know you've thought of it. Oh no, there's a terrorist on this airplane. You're better than me, Darby, because yes, I thought that. They're lying to us. There's an engine failure. We're about to go down. And then he starts flying real close to the ground. And there's all these mountain ranges. And I'm like, we're surely going to hit the top of one of these mountains. Like, I'm just like, I'm freaking out. My stomach is turning. And I'm praying in tongues under my breath. Like, and I'm like, Marcus, don't you think this is Marcus sitting at? I'm like, don't you think this is weird? He's like, nah, it's cool. I'm like, no, but don't you think like he shouldn't, he wouldn't be saying it like that if he, <laughs> like if I could, I would have got up and went to the cockpit and be like, okay, now this is what we do. <laughs> how am I going to do that? How absolutely ridiculous is that? I didn't build the plane. So how the heck would I do that? But we do the same thing to God. We want to tell him what to do. We didn't build ourselves though. He did. He made us in his image. So we have to be reliant on him and surrender to him for his plans for our life. But we want to be in control of the outcome so badly. It's really funny to me how much control our society wants to have yet we're addicted to all of the things that make us out of control. Like we turn to gambling and drugs and alcohol and food. If I can't control my own situation, then I'll just go all the way to the other end of the spectrum. I'll escape. It's all or nothing for me. It's win or lose. I'm going to be first or last. But here in this middle space, where you're laying there not knowing what the outcome will be, it's really too uncomfortable for me. This obsession that we have with ourselves and the outcomes that we want are in direct rebellion to the God who created us in his image and has everything under control. What are you putting your hope and faith in today? Is it in the outcome or is it in Jesus? Hallelujah. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing that's fulfilled is the tree of life. When I put my hope in things other than Jesus, there's a high probability that that hope will be deferred. But when the longings of my heart are found, are, are put, my full weight of my longing is put on Jesus, the tree of life sustains me. And the last question I want to ask you today is, do I trust God with the outcomes of my life, even if it's not what I had hoped for? I talked to a young lady recently. She's in her 20s and she really wants to be married. And I think it's a beautiful thing to desire a godly marriage. But I asked her a question. I said, what if 
It's in God's plans that you don't get married until you're 40. And she said, that's not my testimony. <laughs> and I said, no, that's honest. Like, I'm, I'm really asking you that question. She goes, that's not my portion. I'm like, but what if it is? How do we wrestle with the thing that we want so bad? What do we do? How do we wrestle with God when it doesn't happen the way that we want it to? When we set up the idols of control to serve us and it fails to do so, we always have this desire to prop it back up and try a little harder, make it work a little better next time because we so badly want to be served by the idols. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, the Philistines, they've captured the ark now. They got their way. They won. I'm going to read this from my Bible because this is my favorite Bible. After the Philistines had captured the ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. They carried the ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon. When the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon, fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him back in his place. But the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon, fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. His head and his hands had been broken off and were laying on the threshold only his body remained. The idol of control will come crashing to the ground when we invite the power and presence of our living, active, moving, all-knowing, all-powerful, omniscient, omnipresent God to come and occupy every space in our hearts. No one and nothing can stand against him. This is why control is a fraud. You know, the Philistines spent the next nine months trying to figure out how to get the ark back to where it's supposed to be. <laughs> they had a long, hard road, but they had it their way. You have a sister in this church. You may not have met her before. Her name is Taiko. Taiko came to the Life of Freedom class that I taught back in February. And we were teaching about freedom and being free from all these different things. And one of them was the idol of control. And after the class, Taiko came up to me and she said, what you spoke about control, I know was for me. She said, the idol of control has been ruling my life for many, many years. She said, I've been mad at God because he didn't do things the way that I wanted him to do. Among other things, he made me have my baby when I was only 20-something weeks pregnant. And I prayed and asked God, please let me go to 40 weeks, but he didn't let me. And I looked at her and I said, Teiko, is your child alive? She said, yes. I said, God's providence may have been for you to have that baby at 20-something weeks. 
How do you know you would have made it to 40 weeks? She was like, I know. That's why I have to let the idol of control go. Will you pray for me? So I'm like, absolutely. We begin to pray for her. And this strange thing happened as I was holding her hands as we were praying. We were sitting down on these chairs and I started praying for her and I had my eyes open. I'm looking down and she's got this Apple watch on her wrist. Some of you laugh because I don't know if you know, but I'm an Android girl. So I feel like Apple watches are, yes, thank you very much. Come on, where are you when they make fun of me? I need you to come my rescue. No, I'm just kidding. She had this Apple Watch. And I'm praying for her, and she's releasing this control and surrendering to God. And it's this beautiful moment. She's weeping, and it's, oh, it's so beautiful. And I'm noticing, like, her watch is, like, starting to come apart. So I, like, reach my thumb over, and I'm, like, trying to, like, push it back. And in a way, I wanted to be, like, uh, Did you know, like, your watch? Like, the face of the watch just started to, like, come apart. And I said, that's that's so strange. I've never seen that before. You know how some people come to church and, like, they should have thrown the shoes away, like, last week. (laughs) Like, they glued the... And you don't want to be rude and be like, hey, your shoe. And they're like, yeah, no, I was just gluing it. Like, I didn't know if it was going to be that kind of thing for me to be like, hey, your watch. So I didn't know her, so I didn't want to fit in her. So I just was like, wow, that's interesting. But by the time we were done praying, just the very corner of the face of the watch was like hanging. And I was like, well, I guess she'll have to deal with that later. And later on that afternoon, she sent me a text with this picture. She said to me in this text message, she said, this is a symbol of the idolatry that has fallen today in my life. She said, because unlike other people, my control center is on my wrist. Everything I do, every schedule I have, every, everything, this is the command center. And she said, today when you were praying, my watch came apart. It was not coming apart before I came into class today, but my watch came apart. Now, I'm not saying that you should take off your Apple watches. What I'm saying is for Taco, that was a sign from God that he had done what she had asked him to do. And the idol came crumbling and crashing to the ground. Because she chose to put the presence of God up against the thing that was controlling her. And that thing came toppling to to the ground just like Dagon. And these days we don't much have testimony service anymore. You remember testimony service? Yeah, I used to love testimony service. People come and talk about what God did in their life. And now that I've given you that story, I asked your sister Taiko to come tonight and give us a testimony. That's pulpit too. She's going to give us a testimony about what God has done in her life since she surrendered to Jesus in February. Now here we are four months later. Yes. Thank you so much, Pastor Tiffany. Pastor Tiffany is not lying. Thank you so much for this message. 
you know, in that time period when I went to Pastor Tiffany for prayer, what I hadn't shared with her was that I had so many health conditions that were erupting in my life. And so I had all of these growths and cysts and things that were coming out of nowhere and they weren't going away. And they were really a symbol of what control was doing within me. When I had my own control, my body was imploding and there was nothing that could be done. And so once after we, we prayed that prayer over time in that four month period, I can say today I have seen transformation in three key areas. My health. Everything has reversed. I've gone to the doctors. Let's go! Growths have gone away. Come on! I've had no surgeries. Everything has gone away. My mental health. You know, when, we, when you read about Eli, what it said was that he was sitting on the side of the road because he feared for the ark of the Lord. And that was what I had was fear. When you fear for God, you fear for everything. And so control had me in a place where I was afraid of everything. I could not sleep. And I have had joy. That fear is gone. My mental health is transformed. And then lastly, the ultimate symbol of my control has been my career. Control has made me very successful. I've been an executive for almost a decade. And recently, what God spoke into my, in my ear was that that job that I had that was supposed to be the symbol of what I could do had become the prison that was distracting me from what he had for me. And just last week, I wrote my resignation letter hey! and I walked away. <laughs> I have walked away. And Pastor Tiffany, I don't have a backup plan. I'm walking away from this job and I don't have anything else lined up. I'm walking away as an executive and I have nothing lined up and I have no fear. And that would have never happened to me before. And that is God in my life. Come on. And that is the release of that idol, the tumbling of everything. And so I did have to learn, Pastor Tiffany, that I've been a believer, but I wasn't a truster. Hey. And that is the biggest part of control is when you feel like you've got it. I was like Eli sitting on the side, watching everything happen and worrying for the ark of the Lord. But that's the ark of the Lord. Why should he fear? And that was me being afraid of everything that was happening in my life Come through. because I was afraid for God. Let's go. And now I've let that go. Come on. Give it up for Takeo. Yes. You might be called to preach, girl. <laughs> hey. <laughs> when we try to control our own lives, what we're really saying is that Jesus is not our master. He's not our king. And we think that we are more qualified to sit on the throne instead of him. So what do we do? We dethrone him. We want all of his blessings, but none of his lordship. There's no way that we can occupy a throne that is meant for the glorious perfection that is Jesus. We try, but we fail. And it's time to stop blaming God for things not going the way we want them to when he is the one who orders every single step. If any of this message resonates with you, and you can say, I know that there's an area of my life where control is ruling. I didn't even realize it before I came in church tonight. Consciously, I wasn't giving myself over to this idol of control, but I realized that I need to surrender. I need to relinquish the control of my life to Jesus. This can be 
your Apple Watch moment, where you denounce control, where you repent for thinking that you could be God, and where you surrender to Jesus. He's the one who controls everything anyway. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed tonight, if you'd say, yeah, that's, that's me. I'm, I'm just like those Israelite armies. I'm just like my sister, Teko. And God, I need you to come. I want you to do something really bold tonight. I want you to stand up to your feet. This is a sign of surrender. with your eyes closed and just your heads bow before the Lord, it's you and Jesus. Say, God, I repent. For thinking that I could do a better job than you can. Would you forgive me, Lord? For the idolatry that's been moving in my life. even unknowingly. Would you set me free tonight? I denounce the idol of control. I say you will no longer have dominion over me. You no longer will have authority over me. I surrender again to Jesus. And I give you the reins of my life. I get into the driver's, I get out of the driver's seat and into the passenger's seat and I yield my life to you. God, I thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit that is happening in this room where we're exchanging control for self-control. For the, for the fruit of the spirit where we can control what we do as we surrender to you. That is the only control that we have is the self-control that it takes to get out of the driver's seat and ride. And so Holy Spirit, would you come and wash and heal and touch and set free everybody who is standing on their feet tonight. Lord, would your freedom come and be our portion? Would your plans be the thing that we keep our eyes on? Would we trust you in a new way? Would we believe you in a new way? Would we hope in a new way? Would we have our faith in you, Jesus, and not the outcomes? Thank you, God, for delivering us tonight, for setting us free, and for making us new. And when we leave here, we can say, We're no longer control freaks. We're recovering. We thank you, God, for the redemption that comes from your blood. 
We honor you tonight, and we thank you for what you've done here in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.